Welcome to the Next Level Leaders Podcast with me, Dr. Joseph Walker. This podcast is designed to offer strategies in moving vision to reality. Leaders can expect to be mentored, inspired, and challenged to succeed at the next level. So prepare to be exposed, empowered, and equipped for excellence. Thank you for connecting and allowing this space to become an opportunity for growth and collaborative learning. Now, let's go on this journey together and spark the change we wish to see in ourselves, our teams, and the world. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to Next Level Leader Podcast. I'm Dr. Joseph Walker, and I want to thank all of you so much for tuning in to this podcast. Each week, you continue to prove that you are serious about leadership. And of course, in this space, we are incredibly, incredibly excited to bring to you some of the greatest thinkers and strategists and leaders on the planet. And today, I'm going to get right into it because I know many of you already know that we've been talking about this, and I'm really excited as we are leading into our brand new book entitled Leadership and Loneliness. And I'm incredibly grateful to have a conversation about this book and about the subject matter with someone that I have incredible respect for. He's someone that I look up to, someone that I, I model so much after. He is the pastor of the Potter's House. He is the CEO of T.D. Jakes Enterprises. He is a filmmaker. He's a speaker. He's an author. He is just an incredible, ambidextrous kind of leader. One of those that has his hand in so many different things, but does it so incredibly well. He's a husband. He's a father. I'm incredibly grateful to have the one and only Bishop T.D. Jakes. Bishop, thank you for being a part. Hello, sir. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be a part. Well, I really appreciate that. And you know, Bishop, I think, you know, even navigating the space of leadership, I want to just dive right into this because what led me to write this book was really watching so many leaders manage so much that people did not understand. There's a lot of assumptions people have about leadership that it's glamorous and, you know, oh my God, I can just go up this particular elevator and bypass the steps, you know, and just, you know, walk into these spaces, but people have no real idea how leadership changes your life. And I want to just kind of ask you, how, how has leadership changed your life and how do you see it changing leaders' lives and some of the challenges they have to deal with? Well, let me preface it by saying uh, leadership, I've experienced at every level from initially being a choir director to pastoring a storefront church with a handful of people uh, to, to having 300 people on staff and multiple locations I've had leadership in and out of the side of faith movement and interact with CEOs and corporate executives, elected officials, and have a myriad of, of, of contact with all types of leaders. And I can tell you, there's very little difference in the effect of leadership uh, on the individual. There is a line, uh, Deion Sanders wrote a book several years ago and uh, his, his nickname on the field was Prime Time. And he said that, that Prime Time became bigger than Deion Sanders and drove him to the edge of a cliff. And I think that that is, that is true. You don't have to be somebody of that national acclaim to find that your persona becomes bigger than the person up under it. And you find yourself uh, overwhelmed and distressed. And at various times in my own life, I have had uh, moments that were overwhelming and frustrating. And what happens is we anesthetize our pain often with our work. So the more stressed out we are, the more we add more work to it. And work is a poor companion 
and ultimately it generally leads you to a cliff if you're not very, very careful. You know, a great part of the book, as you know, I deal with this issue of how we pour ourselves into our work and we do, 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 right? This is what we do to anesthetize ourselves from our own private issues. And one of the things that I try to share in the book is that God has not called us to be human doings, but human beings. And the idea that we lose sight of our being and we ultimately diminish and we continue to erode, if you will, without dealing with our own private pain. And so we can have this public success, but yet private pain and struggle. And we have a lot of leaders out there who are leading while bleeding. And how have you stewarded leaders through that process? Because obviously it's difficult for leaders to be honest about their pain, their struggles. And often, you know, they have few folks they can really talk to because the air gets kind of thin when you begin to elevate in certain certain spaces. You know, there are several things that I have learned. Uh, some I've learned the hard way. One of the things that I encourage them to do is to take your spouse with you on the journey. Mm. And uh, I think that's so important because if you don't grow together, you grow apart. When you come home and everything that's worrying you is something that she can't relate to, you stop talking. And that adds to the alienation. I think that's an important thing to remember that as you enter into different idioms of influence and uh, perspectives of thought, that you keep talking and that you bring the person with you. And so that there is some, in order to have a relationship, they have to be able to relate. And having people that relate to where you are becomes more and more difficult, especially when there is a religious component attached to it. There's the fear of judgment. Uh, there's the feeling of inadequacy. Uh, there's the feeling of being overwhelmed. And, and, and you can be just as overwhelmed by success as you can be by failure. Both of them can actually be demoralizing because you can be so successful that it's actually overwhelming and then you can experience failure and it's embarrassing. And it's failure meaning not necessarily talking about moral failure, but I'm talking about just not as successful as your peers are and there's a certain pressure that's placed on you to perform in a way that I think is overwhelming. And I think having people in your life to whom that you can talk to, not just your spouse, but other people as well in your life that can relate to what you're going through and to just be able to share with them, even if they don't have an answer, just to be able to vent so that you're not laying down with a thousand things on your mind You know, Bishop, one of the things that I attempted to convey here is this idea of leader language. One of the things that I, I appreciate about you and many of our conversations, you know, it's, it's a leader language. There's a certain language, you know, we talk, you know, and it's, it's about ideas. It's about ministry, where it's going. It's about understanding how to navigate certain spaces. And a lot of folks don't get that part. And so we unload to people who don't have the capacity to help us in those moments. and the challenge to that point is discerning how to build the proper community of people to pour into. Because leaders, you know, often say you, you can count really kind of on one hand how many people in that acute moment of crises or pain, you can pick up the phone and say, I just need to download without judgment. I need help. I need, you know, to work through this. 
What have you been able to do to build that kind of community in light of the fact that there's so much you've learned in terms of violation of trust and people, you know, breaking boundaries and things like that? How have you created this greenhouse effect, if you will, to discern who can be trusted with these kinds of affairs? Well, I don't know about anyone else, but I think therapy is a great thing for every leader to have because then you don't have to worry about betrayal. (laughs) And and they are legally bound uh, that you can be transparent with whatever you need to talk about in an atmosphere that does not uh, divulge your confidences. And the reason I say that is because sometimes we mistake constituents for confidants. And we start confiding in our constituents. Uh, not realizing that constituents have a tendency to compete with you rather than complete you. And what we do is divulge information that they later use to sabotage our success and and our vulnerabilities. And so understanding the nature of a relationship is really, really important. What happens too many times with leaders is that we fraternize with people on our payroll. And when you start taking employees for friends is kind of bought love. Uh, if the employee relationship changes, the friend becomes an enemy. Mm. And yet it is difficult not to do it because we are so often around the people that we work with that it is the age-old mistake that leaders make of uh, confiding in the people that are nearest to you. So I think that that's important. The other thing is to develop a circle has been helpful for me of people that are not on my payroll and are not necessarily in my purview, but are of like species. When Adam was going through the garden, the Bible said that he found no suitable uh, help meet for him. There, there are a lot of people that we are connected to that are not suitable for us to be connected to or for us to even download to. I realize the text is speaking about partnerships, but just to to have an adequate relationship, you don't want to be an eagle having uh, downloading to a chicken. Uh, You know, because you just can't relate. Nothing wrong with being a chicken, but just can't relate to the height to which you're flying and what you see at your level or even a giraffe or an elephant. And I always like to use those metaphors because everything is a jungle and everything has predators in the jungle. And and it's so important that you don't mistake a person for predators and end up in a situation where you end up devoured, whether you're in Hollywood, is a different type of jungle with different rules. Yeah. Corporate America is a different type of jungle. Politics is a different type of jungle. And unfortunately, even in the church world, there are certain attributes about any sociological construct that lends itself to jungle-like atmosphere. So finding people who, who get you, who have who have no need to gain anything from you, who are not in competition with you, is a good place to go. And then the other thing I would add, uh, I, one of the smartest things I did was as a pastor, when I came to Dallas, I brought some people, about 50 from West Virginia, with me. Uh, so I still have people uh, on my team who went to kindergarten with me. 
Mm. Uh, long-term relationships are, are, are comforting to me. Uh, I, I'm always leery of people when all their friends are new. <laughs> <laughs> new every morning almost. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. You know, yeah. somebody comes into your, lo- and into your life and they, and they love you in a weekend. <laughs> uh, a, a dear friend of mine, if I called, name everybody would know them, but, but she says, be careful at the people who are at your feet, because it said they'll start it out at your feet and end up at your throat. Wow. And uh, wow. when people come in and they are they're over-promising and you are vulnerable and you're desperate to, to have somebody to talk to, and they start out at your feet, you always have to remember that they could stand up and be at your throat. Ah. That is, I'm just going to let that simmer. Somebody who heard that, because <laughs> that is so important. And, you know, doing relationships is key. It's critical to leadership. And it's important to have that level of discernment and the instruction, wisdom that you've imparted so many leaders who don't know how to navigate different spheres, different places. And the rules that may work, you know, in church may not apply in the marketplace. You have to know how to navigate Uh, different places and how to deal with people. We talk about that a lot. And, you know, one of the things that one of the backdrops, and I think it was really providential, um, you know, in this conversation we're having, you know, I'm privy to what preceded our interview uh, to some extent. And it's the variety of different things that you have to juggle. uh, And, 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 you know, in a 24 hour day. And one of the things I wrote in the book is, you know, psychologists even suggest that it is, unnatural for the mind to go between the extremes in a 24-hour period without some cessation from that and rest and reflection. Leaders are often having to, and I can only imagine you with all the different things you have your hand on. And let's be clear for the model's sake, because I have witnessed the extraordinary way in which you lead and delegate authority and bring your team together in in an amazing way. But yet at the helm of it, it's always on your mind and you're moving between these spaces. How have you been able to manage you in the midst of these different extremes coming down from, you know, a wedding to a funeral, to a funeral, to a house blessing, a house blessing to someone's house being burned down, someone in crisis, someone just had a baby. All this can happen in a 24 hour period for a leader. And how does a leader find a sense of normalcy in that? I think that what you described <laughs> you describe him to a T. <laughs> uh, I mean, literally, I can go from going in an interview with the uh, with the cable news station to a funeral uh, in the same day, and walk away from the funeral and have to be at a board meeting by four o'clock. Yeah, and they're all different parts of me that are within the inventory of who I am, but switching gears that fast is absolutely exhausted. And uh, I have learned that one of the things that's important is to learn how your gifts operate and what you need, whether you need an hour of of downtime, a brief break, or whether you need to space things every other day that are going to be draining emotionally and to master your schedule or your schedule will master you. Uh, more times than not, we seek to be there for everybody. And we start out with really good intentions, 
but the very thing that makes you good can get you killed. And that, that inability to say no, that inability to say I can't do it today, often makes Superman feel like Clark Kent, but it's okay uh, to be Clark Kent and to space it out into uh, uh, smackable content, smaller bites of, of uh, demand so that you can refuel and then to learn what exactly refuels you. Is it golfing? Uh, is it comedy? Is it, is it, uh, playing chess? Is it a words with friends? I mean, what, it, how do you spell release? <laughs> a lot of us don't interview ourselves and really investigate what works for us when in terms of refueling. And, uh, if you don't know how to refuel, even when you have time to refuel, you will inadvertently fill it with more responsibility simply because you haven't learned the art of, of nothingness, of, of just quiet, of tranquility. And that's been, that's been something, to be honest, I, I learned a lot from my wife. My wife is an introvert, and I'm an extrovert, and we are completely different. But after being married almost 40 years, she started to rub off on me a little bit. Uh, <laughs> I'm starting to learn that it's okay. You know, just to sit down that I don't have to have the TV on and the phone and the computer going all at the same time. That it's okay to just take 30 minutes just to woosah, to breathe and, and, and to rebound. And, and then for me, if it stays in my head, it goes into my sleep. So. Finding a way, whether it's journaling, writing it down, discussing it, delegating it, getting it off your plate. You know, uh, the Bible talks about not going to bed angry. Yeah. And, and the whole principle of not going to bed angry is not just anger. Don't go to bed stressed. Don't go to bed with things swirling around in your head. Put it down, jot it down, resolve it. Uh, do something with it so that you're not laying down in the bed with with all types of uh, responsibilities still swirling around in your head. And really, it's much like a tire spinning in a snowstorm. You're not getting anywhere, but the tires are still spinning even in your sleep. Bishop, that was such a revelation. And I believe that COVID-19 has been something that is created an opportunity for us all to lay down in green pastures. The rat race has ceased for many and allowed us even more opportunity to have that kind of reflection and to be still and to be quiet, which is counterintuitive to some people because often there is this idea, if I'm a progressive person, if I'm, you know, if I'm always moving, the moment I'm still, maybe I'm being lazy or something else I can do. And I knew it at one point in my life, it took me even, I think even today, to be honest, it may take me a week to realize I'm on vacation before I can actually start the vacation to get my right, mind, right. to get my mind to quiet down. So, so Bishop, I appreciate you so much. This has been incredible. 
what you have deposited in this conversation has truly been invaluable. And all of the folks who, who are listening now are emerging leaders and are, are quite familiar with your work and your book soar blessed me in ways in which, you know, I cannot even imagine. And all the work that you have done over the years has been incredibly impactful. And I want to thank you so much for joining me in this discussion uh, concerning leadership and loneliness. I took a risk to write this book uh, because I wanted to be very transparent about where leaders are so that people would get away from their erroneous assumptions about leadership and really come alongside and support and help. And leaders can kind of reimagine what leadership looks like in terms of their own personal health and mental health. And uh, and so I really, really appreciate you so much for just being a part, sir. I really do. Well, I'm glad to do it. I just want to say before we close that you approach the subject of leadership and loneliness is, is such, such a needed subject for any type of leader. If you're not now, you will be. There was a time that I thought, you know, oh, I'm not lonely. I'm living the life of my dreams. But eventually, you will run into it. So if you don't need it today, you'll need it tomorrow. You'll need it for people that you counsel and that you interact with. You'll need it to be able to speak the language to people who will come up under your spiritual leadership but have uh, insurmountable problems in their professional lives. A lot of us don't know how to pastor people. Uh, with with great deals of pressure on them. And so I think that for so many reasons, the whole broaching of leadership and loneliness gives us permission to kind of go into the confession booth and say, you know, I'm successful, I've accomplished, I've done a lot of things that I set out to do, uh, I'm living a, a life that others should be envious of, and the tragedy of their envy is that they don't know that their envy is executed on somebody who's actually lonely. So I think that's a great, great subject, a great, important contribution uh, to the conversation that our country and our world is having right now. There's a deficit of great leaders because many of them have been murdered by loneliness. Bishop, thank you so much for those kind words and, and certainly to all of you who are who are listening in, I, I really pray, follow Bishop Jakes. Uh, Bishop Jakes, look for the blue check mark. You know, make sure it's the right Bishop Jakes. But let me tell you, anything he's written, anything he's done, anything he's doing, you need to be a part of it because he is such a, a gift to the kingdom, the marketplace, wherever you are. We thank God for you. And I want you to take a moment now and I want you to make sure you follow me at Joseph Walker 3 on Instagram. Stay connected. Let me know how this conversation tagged Bishop Jakes and myself. Let us know how this conversation blessed you. And go right now to Amazon. Today is the day. And I want you to go out there. You can go to josephwalker3.org and order your copy or go right there to Amazon and you can get it. Leadership and Loneliness. I hope this book continues to help you become the leader you're already becoming. And I appreciate all of you so much. Thank you again for tuning in to Next Level Leader Podcast. Until next time, you be blessed, keep thriving, and know the rest of you will be the best of you. God bless. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. I want you to subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or whatever podcasts are downloaded. I also want you to follow me on Instagram 
at josephwalker3. I look forward to connecting with you.